Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas, and I'm excited to talk to you guys today about uh, the great uh, virtue of love. Um, But my name is Richard Metzger. For those of you that don't know me, I'm one of the elders here. And um, yeah, for the last few weeks, we are in the third week of Advent right now. Uh, Ryan preached on hope uh, a couple weeks ago. the hope that is, that is, of course, found in Christ, rooted in him. Um, John preached on um, peace, and he reminded us of just how, how the everlasting peace that exists within the Trinity. And then I, I get to, to preach on love. Um, and then next week, on the fourth week, Ryan, is our lead pastor, will be uh, preaching on joy. So, yeah. So I think as, as far as Advent goes, is there really a better verse to talk about as it pertains to God's love than this one? Um, there might be, but this is one that really stuck out to me. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Uh, the key thing being here that God sent his only son into the world. And of course, that's what we celebrate or what we're celebrating in a week. And that's what we're looking forward to um, with Advent. So this is, this is beautiful. This is God with us, Emmanuel. Um, so as we, as we kind of take a look at love, though, I do want to start by just asking you to think about a little bit, where do we get this uh, perception of love from? Because in, in a lot of ways, there's really only a couple options there, and one of them is nature. So let's, let's think about that a little bit. Um, is it possible that we get this, uh, this thing that we all know love to be from nature? Is that possible? I guess it's possible, but when you think about it, nature can be pretty unfriendly, can't it? Um, and I, I heard this in a, a sermon years ago, and I, I'm probably going to get some of the details wrong, so bear with me. Um, but there was a, apparently there was an author, a poet, and, and she went out to go understand how, uh, how, the, you know, how Mother Earth loves her. And so she went out with her notepad, and she went into the wilderness, and she sat down on a log, and it was kind of by a pond, and there was a, some kind of an insect, it might have been a dragonfly flying around, and she wrote down, you know, oh, how, how beautiful, this majestic creature. And then out of nowhere, this toad jumps up and goes, and grabs it and starts chomping away at it. And so she's met with a stark reality that I think we all know is out there, and that is, in nature, the strong devours the weak. And so... To me, um, that's, I don't see love there. It's true that we can see loving things, and certainly we can experience um, God's love through nature, but nature itself is not the source of love. Um, so if it's not nature, um, perhaps it's from ourselves. And if you're like me, that's a quick no, because um, unless I'm preaching on how much we love ourselves, and that'd be a weird sermon, but if I was doing that, then certainly that's, that's where we would go, right? Hey, we just do. We love ourselves. Um, we love, cherish, we prioritize ourselves. So, so this great 
Christian virtue, the greatest of, the, of them, love, it can't, it can't be from that. Um, plus, we would all have different views on what it is anyway, so it just doesn't make sense. Um, so where then do we get it from? Um, so clearly our scriptures have a lot to say about what love is, and that's what we're going to look at. So let's just dive in. Let's see what, what our great faith says about love. Um, some of you are probably aware that there, there are different views or categories of what, what kind of loves are out there. So C.S. Lewis um, would talk about four human kinds of loves. He would talk about the love of affection, the love of friendship, the love of eros, the love of charity, which would be um, as close to God's love as you can get. But then a guy like Jonathan Edwards might say, well, there's really two kinds of loves. There's a love of complacence, which would be kind of like the love that, that we have for things that we delight in. But then there's also the love of benevolence, and that would be a love that is sort of in spite of beauty. So it would be more like a delight in the being itself as opposed to the beauty of it. And not to get hung up on definitions, but I'm I'm really just bringing this up to remind us that there are different ways to talk about love. And primarily what I'm talking about is going to be the love of benevolence, but there's going to be a little bit of, uh, of the others mixed in as well. So like I said this morning... um, Let's see. There we go. Love because of first. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to start with the application, though. All right. And and this is where, in my brain, it gets a little weird because I don't want you to hear that the point of this sermon is to get you to love people more. Although that's a commandment, yes. But we're looking at a very thin slice of love. It's such a big topic. I mean, thousands, millions of sermons could be preached on love. This is just a slice of it. And the slice we're looking at is, is the one I want you to really behold. And that is that God loves you. That God loves you through Christ. And that's, that's really the, the, the message that I have. But the application is certainly that out of that, yes, we, we love others out of that love. But it's out of that love. It's not, an, it's not out of some sense of moral duty that we love. It's out of the overflowing of what God has done for us. And so what a better way than to just, let's just drill in on how do we know God loves us? Um, So that's my goal today, very simply. I want to point you to the love of God um, that is in Christ Jesus. So how do you know God loves you? Um, I mean, how do you know anyone loves you? Uh, One way is through word, another is through thought, another is through deed. So in other words, someone can tell you they love you, and that's great. Someone can tell you they love you and then show you that they're thinking about you by sending you gifts or uh, reminders of you, maybe a text. Um, but then there's another one, indeed. Someone can love you um, in thought, but then also indeed would be sort of doing something great for you, maybe a sacrifice of some kind. And that's, that's really what, what I want to look at is, is these different um, categories. So, yeah, is this my goal today is to remind us of the love of God through Christ Jesus. Well, let's go ahead and look at, at 1 John chapter 4. And I love that the, the call to worship was also on that. I mean, that's kind of neat that independently um, we both were thinking of similar, um, similar scriptures. But So if we're going to look at how do we know God loves us through word, honestly, that's kind of the easy one in a way, right? Um, but let's just explore it a little bit. So what kind of love do we prefer? Um, if I were to say... I think it's better that love comes from me. 
And then you guys all just need to learn what I'm saying about love. Everyone would be like, no, that's no thanks. But what if I were to say, so isn't it greater that love comes from outside of us? And that's exactly what we see in 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So that's, that's just one of the, and again, we're looking at a very thin slice of love. There's 10, 20, 30 sermons that can be preached on any one of these. Um, don't we know intuitively, the next, the next kind of attribute of love that we're going to look at here, don't we know intuitively that it's better that love would exist eternally than be some kind of contingent thing or something that exists out there like in a weird um, cloud and then God acts lovingly because he's a lackey to love. That's one way God could be. And there's, there are religions that would, they wouldn't word it that way. And that, maybe that's a little bit of a straw man. But, um, but that's in essence what it becomes. Or what about a religion or what about a worldview that says God is love? And by the way, God is eternal. And by the way, God exists as three persons in a trinity. Therefore, he can be loving for eternity. Uh, just like John preached on, uh, on peace, he mentioned a similar thing. It, it, it really does fit. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. So that's a God that's bigger than a God that simply acts loving that, that out of some moral duty. No, God is love, and that's exactly what we see um, in our scriptures. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. How about this one? So... A love that sacrifices is greater than a love that doesn't, right? We all know that because every movie that's ever been done, every book that's ever been written, probably every love song as well, though maybe not that as much, but definitely love without sacrifice is kind of empty. It's just like, well, what is it even? I, you know, The fact that, that in Scripture what we see is that in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So we see God the Father sending the son. And the son, by the way, willingly goes. He's not forced to go. He he willingly goes. Not my will, but your will be done, is what he says. So so that's that's another thing that we see in in our scriptures. And again, we're we're looking at a thin slice of love. How about this? Um, And I, I know Sharon mentioned this one as well. Isn't it better? Okay, so it's great when you love someone and they love you back. Yes, absolutely. But isn't it greater? Don't we all really desire just to be loved in spite of our ability to love others back? I mean, that is a more incredible love. What did the scriptures say? That's exactly what, what, what God has preserved for 2,000 years. Um, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. So it's just, it's just another thing that we see. And again, we're looking at how, good, how does God love us in word? Um, how about this one? Um, so yeah, the love that initiates. How about this one? An honest love. And this one, probably as I was um, kind of praying through and studying love, this is the one that probably hit me the most for some reason. Um, in a way that maybe it hasn't before in the same way. This is a love that's honest, you guys. This is a love that deals with the reality of the world. The world is broken. The, the world, um, as the great Christmas hymn says, long lay the world in sin and error pining, languishing. We know that. Don't we know that in our heart? There's something off in this world. So a love that doesn't address that, no thanks. That, that's, you know, 
a self-help book. I, it, it just doesn't go, it doesn't go far with me. So an honest love, one that deals with the sin in the world, the sin in our own heart, is certainly greater than a love that just sort of ignores it. Um, and so throughout Scripture, of course, we see so many other things about love. I'll just mention a few briefly. A love that is secure is greater. In other words, one that's not contingent upon what we do, just a love that's, that is secure is greater than, a, than one that isn't. Who will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord is, is from Romans. How about this? One, a love given with joy, isn't that greater than, than a love? I don't know if you can have a love where it's begrudgingly. I mean, that's more some kind of weird duty. Um, and Christ, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before him was us. Um, and so that is a great... That is a great love, you guys. I mean, what this is a robust love that we're talking about. And so I'm, I'm, we're really just barely scratching the surface on, on what, what love might be in word. Because all, you know, all of scriptures are, are really describing God and God is love. So um, barely scratching the surface. But let's, let's now think about it in a different way. So... How, how then do we know God loves us in thought? So we looked at word. He's preserved his word. Um, and he, and that's, that's not for debate. I mean, it just is. It's been preserved. I mean, people can debate, well, was it from man? Well, look, God inspired these writers. It's, there's not a lot of debate on that. Um, how about in thought, though? This one, in some ways, is even easier to, for me to see because... It's, it's right before us, and in every moment, we can embrace th- these truths. So I'm just going to give a few examples. Um, and by the way, this is not 10 steps to experiencing the, the love of God. That, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm just trying to point out a few ways and remind us all of these are ways that we can behold God's love. Um, another thing I want to mention real quick, um, this could be heard, um, I, I would say, out of context is pantheism. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, that God is love and you can go to the mountains and, and your God is the trees. And Definitely not what I'm saying. What, I, what I'm going to be saying is that these things point to God. Um, God exists outside of time and space. He upholds the very universe with his word. Every instantaneous um, moment of time, the, the smallest that you can, he's almost like recreating it. So, so every time that, that even when you look, and I look out and I see those lights, it's like, oh, the, the light, you know, we're celebrating the light of Christ, the light of God that has come in, shown into the darkness. So especially around Christmas time, it's even sometimes easier to see some of this. But so, what, so how do we do it, though? What does it actually look like? How do we experience the love of God? Um, one way is through creation. We can behold the beauty of creation. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. So think about it for a bit. All right? You, at any moment, we can look out, and, and you are able to see a distinct um, kind of 3D portrait. So, when, um, so like when you're driving up to the mountains or when you're at home just looking at a, at a tree and you know, the leaves, the colors, whatever you're looking at, that is a, a view that only you have in that moment. Um, and God in that moment is almost like recreating it. I mean, he's upholding it 
for you so that you can see it. It requires a mind to behold it. It, it really does. I mean, it's incredible. So if we can behold the beauty seen in creation in that way, I mean, what, a, what an amazing thing. Um, but there's so many others. I mean, we can, um, we can experience, and again, we're looking at how do, we, how do we know that God loves us in thought, in essence, just the way that it's almost like these gifts that he gives. Um, but this is another one. He, his love, he, he loves us as he restores us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So there, there we see it. I mean, he, um, he restores us. He leads us. And, and, and we can feel that as, as he does it. It's another way that we see his love. But how about this? Um, going back to more of the senses that, that we all have. We have five senses. Here's one of them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. Um, now, again, I'm not an ear, nose, throat doctor. Nobody corrected me in the first service, though, so I think I might be right. <laughs> but um, there really is no reason for taste. Um, beyond if something tastes bad, sure, you know, then you don't eat it. But just like the way that there's a variety of good, good flavors out there, it's hard to explain that. I mean, there is no attribute of taste in properties that exist out there. It requires a mind to behold it. So it's just another way that God gave us this so that we can glorify him, so that we know that God is good, so that a verse like this can make sense to us. So when, when we eat food, we, we can glorify God in those moments um, and experience his love. And then perhaps my favorite, um, music. So with music, it's another thing that, I mean, it transcends the natural world. In a lot of ways, it doesn't make sense. And that's kind of the beauty of it. As soon, have you ever tried to describe like an amazing song to someone and you look at them, like, no, listen to it. And they, and they listen, and they just stare at you blankly. And you're like, no, don't you get it? Like, this is the most incredible. There's something about it where it, it is unique for us. Um, and as soon as we try to explain it, it becomes less than. In fact, pretty much everything I'm saying right now is a ripple of what it actually is, God's love. It's just so great. It's like we're, we're grasping it, trying to explain its beauty. But music is another one, and, and it captures the longing. And, and try to notice that. Next time you hear an amazing riff or melody or beat or whatever or, or lyric, think to yourself, like, this makes me want more of that. And, and sometimes a song's really good when it just does it once, and you are left longing for it. Because what does that do? It's, it is a way of drawing us to God, to the longing that, that is in him. But, as this says, um, and I think this is C.S. Lewis quote, the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. For it is not in them, it only came through them. And what came through them was longing. So in other words, if we start to misplace any of these things for God, then we enter into heresy and some dangers there. So we have to allow them to lead us and point us kind of through the thing to God. They're like breadcrumbs that, that lead us there. And look, these are just the things that resonate with me. If I were to ask each of you, you'd probably have maybe some overlap, maybe totally different things. But here's some more. I mean, humor, reading and hearing God's word, fasting and praying, through friendships, random acts of kindness from a stranger, through moments of repentance, so many others that we experience God's love um, 
and uh, beyond just in word, but in um, we know that he's thinking of us because he's attentive to that. So let's let's look at, at another way to look at it now. So scripture talks about us being on a journey, right? And we're all in different points um, on this journey. And even throughout a day, you might be indifferent. Sometimes it feels like you're at the top of the mountain and life could not be better. Um, sometimes it's just the mundane. So often, maybe for us, it's the mundane. It's like, well, I don't know, I'm going to work, whatever. I'm, I can't complain, I guess. It's in those moments that sometimes it's easier to do some of this. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just show you what it might look like for us that are in those kind of moments. And then we're going to look at what about the valley, though, when, when things are a little bit darker for us. And we'll look at that as well. But this is what it might look like. You know, you're driving down Eagle. Um, uh, that's already a bad thought, I just realized. Um, during the pandemic, no, that's worse. Um, <laughs> imagine a world where you're driving down Eagle and there's not a lot of cars. Um, you can see the mountains, okay, as you're, as you're kind of going. Would that be north, I guess? Um, you see the mountains, you just stopped and, and got a, your favorite coffee, you're listening to some music. It's in those moments that we can behold the love of God yet again, yet again, yet again. Because we can see it. We can see his creation before us, the mountain peaks almost pointing to heaven, the tree branches almost you know, raised to heaven, uh, the lights, the light of Christ shining through the darkness. You take a sip of your drink and, oh my Lord, thank you for giving me taste buds. I can and the money to afford this coffee, and thank you for, um, you know, the music comes on, and you feel this longing. I mean, it's in those moments that we can behold the love of God, and it's okay to do that, um, as long as we allow it to draw us to God. Um, otherwise, it becomes idol worship, for sure. But how about the other case? How about for when um, life is not, you know, lattes and music and nice drives. What about when, when life is just really hard, when you get bad news on the medical front, or you feel alone, or you feel betrayed by people, or, or whatever's going on? I mean, what, what, words, you know, what words could possibly be said um, to remind you of the love of God in those moments? I, I think in those, there's really only one answer, and that's, that's what God says. So if we look at Isaiah 49, um, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. So have you ever felt that? The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. But what's God's response? Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So when you're in the valley, um, the comfort that God would, would give you is that he is with you. He has not forgotten you. Um, behold, a nursing mother, does she forget her child? 990 times out of 1,000, the answer is no. But there is that one out of 1,000, sadly, where that does happen. But even these, God does not. He just doesn't. You're before him. Behold, um, your walls are continually before me. It's referring to the broken walls of Jerusalem continually before God. Um, he's thinking of you. He has not forgotten you. And perhaps the most incredible, um, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Now, there, there's a few different ways that that, that could probably be looked at. Um, one would be maybe that 
uh, I guess in that era, slaves would put their master's names on their hands. But here you see the flip of that. So that's, that's kind of incredible. But I think what most would say is that this is talking about engraving, you know, with a nail. And so, of course, this points us to the cross, right? Um, where God paid the ultimate. Um, and here he's reminding these people um, and us when we feel that. Is it, no, he has not forgotten us. He's not forsaken us. He's with us. He suffered on a cross for us. And, um, and it's in those moments that we see the deed. So we've looked at in word. We've looked at in thought. This is the deed. This is the, what does he do? How does he show us through action? It's at the cross that he shows us his love for us. Um, water break. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> let's go on to the next slide. So this last example that, that I want to talk about, so we looked at you're on the mountaintop, you're in the mundane, and then you're in the valley. But there, there is a third category I do want to address, and that would be those among us that might not have tasted and seen that God is good. They might not call themselves a Christian. I do want to address that as well. Um, I want to remind us all, though, anyone can stand up here and tell you that God loves you. Um, anyone can do that. They could give you a picture of God as a loving grandfather um, that just sort of is, um, and, and I love this quote, we want, in fact, not so much a father in heaven as a grandfather in heaven, a senile benevolence who, as they say, like to see young people enjoying themselves, and whose plan for the universe was simply that it might be truly said at the end of each day, a good time was had by all. I think we sort of want that, this senile benevolence that just sort of stamps approval on everything. Just as long as you have fun, kids, play in the yard, it's okay. But that, it just doesn't do justice to the reality of the world we live in, does it? It doesn't. Um, scripture is incredible. It gives us an honest account of love. It does give us the beauty that I just, you know, the thought, the, um, the glorious moments, the, the never-ending love, the love that, that is secure. But it also addresses the elephant in the room, which is, but what about the broken world we live in? How does love, how does that work if you're saying God is love? Well, another way to say it is that Scripture is like the good doctor that tells you what's wrong. Um, so that you can get the right uh, medication or the right um, medicine. So as I close, I just want to outline this, this one final thing and just leave a few thoughts with you. So here we have the Christmas story, God entering into our world. And again, we're looking at a slice of this love, how God is love. How does he show it to us? Well, he enters into our mess through Christmas. He experiences what we experience. Every, you know, he's tempted in every way that we're tempted. Yet, he lives a perfect life. He even says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, and this is always one of the most touching, but you know, just as he wept for Jerusalem, you know, he, he does, in a sense, for, for, the, for humanity, for the lost. He does. Like it, it, 
Um, he cares. He's a loving Savior. He's, he's moved to compassion multiple times. Um, and then during the last 24 hours before his crucifixion, um, the, I mean, again, one of the most incredible things, if you think about it, 24 hours before he's crucified. And I realize we're Christmas, not Easter, but, um, but I don't know how we can talk about God's love without the cross. Think about it. He, he knows that these men that he's been with, his friends, um, he knows that Peter's going to deny him three times after saying, Lord, I never would. He knows um, that one of them would betray him, Judas. He knows that he'd be abandoned, that his disciples would abandon him. He knows that, that in, in the garden, um, when he's really wrestling through, and, and Lord, is there another way? Take this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In those moments, he asks them one thing. Stand, watch, and pray. And they can't even do it for an hour, is what he says. And, and he even goes back and wakes them up. They fall asleep. He wakes them up. So this is, this is what Christ knew. But even then, what does he do? 24 hours. He washes their feet. He cares for them. Um, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you and also are to love one another. So he somehow is able to still love us by giving this command to his disciples. Do you see the care that he has for us? It's incredible. And on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, did it again? All right. He again reminds them to love one another. In fact, the, the last uh, few chapters of, of John, it's almost every one is about love one another, love one another repeatedly. Um, in fact, in John, in the high priestly prayer, we see Christ praying for protection for us, for sanctification. Again, knowing what was about to happen, being fully man, fully God, yes, but fully man as well, fully feeling it, the pain, the rejection. He knows what it's like. Show me a greater love. And then, um, sorry, we know what happens next. The guards come, they take Jesus, and they, they crucify him. What were his last words? Um, there, there are a few that are recorded, but I'm going to give you a few of them. Because again, I, I, let's reflect on God's love for us yet again. Um, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He tells John um, to go take care of his mother after he's gone. I mean, isn't that incredible that that's recorded for 2,000 years? It almost could be like an impassing, take care of my mother, but it's recorded. Um, Jesus felt forsaken. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, he's relatable. Like, have you felt forsaken or abandoned? He knows what that's like. And perhaps, um, the, I think this might be one of the shortest sentences that Christ said. Um, maybe not thee, but it's got to be one of them. He says, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Think about that, the humanity of Christ. And then when it, when it seems that darkness is one, um, when it would seem sadly that maybe we are all alone, maybe it is all meaningless, maybe there is no point to anything, 
that's when in our Lord's passion, he displays the greatest courage, the greatest compassion, the greatest humility, the greatest patience, the greatest kindness, the greatest love. As he prays in the gar- as, as he prayed in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. What did he do for the joy set before him? He stayed on the cross. To the point that his final words were, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He could have ended it at any point. He really could have, but he didn't um, in the midst of all that. So perhaps you have come to a point where you realize you are thirsty. Um, You feel forsaken. You feel abandoned. You're not in Disneyland anymore. You wake up, you look out, and you see you're in a desert, just as Scripture describes. You're thirsty. You're longing to be heard, longing to be understood. You feel rejected by your friends, by others. Does this God appeal to you? If he doesn't appeal to you, what could? This is a God that knows what you're going through um, because he went through it. If any of that sounds remotely appealing, this could be the spirit of God quickening your heart. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you, tell someone. Tell someone and and, um, allow them to walk with you through that. Tell me, go uh, the prayer room. Let someone know. Um, will you listen to the lover of your soul and I think that's where I want to close so let's pray dear Lord um, thank you God for thank you for all of it Lord for, for entering into such a dark era, such a, a, a broken, I mean, all eras are broken, but I do feel like if you appeared in Manhattan, that would have been a little easier on you than the Middle East in 2,000 years ago. The dirt, the bugs, the, the, the suffering, the pain that you went through voluntarily. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Um, beginning in a manger. Um, Lord, you are the only God worthy of our praise. You're the only one that can fully relate. Um, So Lord, may we just rejoice this Christmas, um, uh, this week before Christmas, as we we celebrate the third week of Advent, your love. um, Lord, may we all behold that love, and God, may it not end there. May we then go out and love one another um, the same way you loved us. Out of that, um, out of that well that never runs dry, Lord, would you help us to do that? In Jesus' name.